1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to read two verses. Verses 23 and 24 to begin this morning. Paul says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which He was betrayed, took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take, eat, this is My body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of Me. I really want to focus on this portion at the end of verse 23 and the beginning of 24 where He says, The same night in which He was betrayed, He took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it. And I've heard this Scripture so many times. I know that you have as well. Uh, we had in our prayer meeting this past Sunday night. Uh, Katie we, uh, wanted... Uh, I'd ask her to open in prayer Sunday night. And she... During the week, she had texted me and said, can we do communion? And I said, well, we just had it the month, you know, the, the day before, the service before. And she says, I know, but I think the Lord's put it on my heart to, to share about communion. And we had communion again Sunday night. It was wonderful. And, and the things that she shared as we opened were wonderful. And I've heard this scripture and this passage. This is what she read and a little more Sunday night so many times. But something was very much impressed to me I think during that prayer meeting when when she was reading it it was like I hadn't really thought of it before or noticed it before and I'm just going to paraphrase the same night in which the Lord was betrayed he gave thanks that's how I'm paraphrasing it the same night in which he was betrayed he gave thanks our Lord took the bread and he gave thanks the same night in, in which he was betrayed. And I thought, how wonderful, how otherworldly, how different than human beings, how different than me. He was betrayed and he knew he was going to be betrayed. And that same night in the midst of the most, you can't think of a bigger betrayal. You know, people talk about Benedict Arnold and different people. A bigger betrayal than the Son of Man, the Son of God being betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. And he knew it was going to happen. The same night that he was betrayed, he gave thanks to his father. And how different that is than sinful men. And I would include myself in that. I know that I'm sinner saved by the grace of God, but how glorious that is. How godly that is. I know that's the Lord that's doing it. But Jesus knew from the beginning who would betray him. It wasn't a surprise to him. It didn't catch him off guard. And yet he loved Judas all the way through. Having loved his own, it says he loved him to the end. He loved him all the way through. And he loved Judas all the way through. And I just want to read this. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore he said, you're not all clean. Uh, that's John thirteen eleven, verse 2 of that same chapter. Supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's brother, to betray him. The Lord knew who he was, who was going to betray him. He knew how he was going to be betrayed. He knew uh, when he was going to be betrayed. And in that night in the garden, while he's sweating drops of blood, agonizing, uh, surrendering and yielding to the will of his father, He's, his heart, he's still thankful. He's still thankful in the midst of the betrayal. Jesus says as he was praying, his garments were soaked with blood. That's just amazing to me. His garments were soaked with blood. 
in agony of prayer. Nobody had wounded him, so to speak. It was, it was his own agonizing in prayer in his garments. He's going to shed blood on the cross not too many hours from then, but his garments were soaked with blood. And he says, rise up and let us go. He that betrayeth me is at hand. He knew all along. He had a very clear picture. The Old Testament scriptures prophesied about the betrayal of the Son of Man. We're going to read some a little bit later. And yet our Lord was still thankful. And this is not normal. It's it's normal for God. It's not normal for men. The same night he was in betrayal, betrayed, he gave thanks. He was still able to give thanks to his father. He was still able to take the bread and break the bread and take the cup and serve his disciples and wash their feet. And still able to go into the garden and pray. He was still able to teach his disciples. He was still able to love his disciples. He was still able to fulfill his ministry, which was not fulfilled till the cross. That's when he says it's finished when he laid down his life. And he did it all with thanksgiving. I want you to read with me in your Bibles. Turn to me to Psalm 41. Psalm 41. Let's read verses 9 through 13. Yea, my own familiar friend, and whom I trusted, which did eat bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Everybody, you know, all commentaries believe that's speaking of Jesus and Judas' betrayal. But thou, O Lord, be merciful unto me, and raise me up, that I may requite them. By this I know that thou favorest me, because mine enemy doth not triumph over me. And as for me, thou upholdest me in mine integrity and setteth me before thy face forever. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting and to everlasting. Amen and amen. He starts this passage that I read, yea, mine own familiar, my friend whom I trusted, which did eat bread with me of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. And yet he ends this short little passage saying, as for me, thou upholdest me. You've set me before your face forever. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. There's the thanksgiving. And that thanksgiving comes by faith. Jesus knew that he was going to be restored back to the glory that he once had. And this betrayal, y'all, this is one of the things that stood out to me. And what really the, the crux of the message this morning is that the betrayal of, by Judas of betraying the Lord Jesus Christ didn't stop him. It didn't, it hurt. We just read the passage. You can, you can sense it in verse 9. My own familiar in whom, whom I trusted, which ate bread of, of my table and so forth, has lifted up his heel against me. It hurt, but it didn't defeat him. Being betrayed hurt him, but it didn't defeat him. Being betrayed didn't end him. It didn't end him or overcome him or end his mission or his service to his father. It didn't make him bitter. And I just want some of these things to soak into my life and your life and my heart. It didn't didn't mark the end of the Lord Jesus Christ. It didn't make him bitter. It didn't make Jesus a recluse. And he just curled up in a ball and said, I don't care what happens to the rest of the world. To me, it's 
to, to me, it's, the rest of my life is just going to be me and I'll be defensive and, and curl up in a ball. This is what betrayal does to a lot of people and, and heartaches and, and devastation that can come into our lives. So often when we're betrayed, I'm just using betrayal almost as, a, as an example, okay? When you, have you ever been betrayed by somebody? Okay, when, when we are betrayed, when we're done wrong it's, or something like that, um, we are not thankful. When, we're, we're, when we are mistreated, when our good is evil spoken of, and I'm talking about as believers, I'm talking about in Christ, you're doing what's right, you're taking a stand, you're bending over backwards to serve and, 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 and coming up, it would seem to be on the short end of the stick and you're doing what's right and that is evil spoken of. When that happens and we're betrayed or done wrong or misunderstood or hurt by people close to us, we're not thankful. We're not thankful. We're not able to carry on a lot of times. We're not able to function. We're not able to forgive. We're not able to fulfill what our Lord and Savior has called us to fulfill and to be what He's called us to be. The reason being, and we read it in this psalm, the reason being that our focus is all too often in moments like that upon ourselves. Our focus is just totally focused inwardly. We're just looking at me, my hurt, how inexcusable it was, how wrong it was. Um, our, our focus is upon ourselves. Our focus is upon our betrayer, the one who betrayed us. How could they have done this? Uh, our focus is upon our own hurt and not upon the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Messianic Psalm we read, Jesus said, yeah, I've been hurt. Him closest to me, whom I trusted, who ate bread at my table, has betrayed me. But thou, Lord, thou, Lord. And that's where the focus has to be. And it's in the, in the same passion. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who from everlasting to everlasting. Lord, I know, he said, that you've set me before your face forever. Do we know that? It's a question of faith. It's a question of maturity. It's a question of focusing upon the Lord Jesus Christ instead of focusing upon myself and inwardly and I'm hurt and the hurt's real and focusing on the one that betrayed me or did me wrong. And that's real as well. But very, very quickly, our eyes need to lift up to the Lord. And we are going to be bitter. We are going to be overcome. We are going to be devastated. And so we see this in the Lord Jesus Christ. The night in which he was betrayed gave thanks. He gave thanks. And so often we're not able to do that. David said, and I don't know if this ever actually happened, but I'm just going to quote this from Psalm 27.10. When my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. I don't know that his mother and father ever did, but I think it's a thought more along the lines of, even if my mother and father forsake me, he saw it right away. The Lord's going to take me up. The Lord's going to take me up. He's going to pick me up. He's going to lift me up. And I say all, all glory to the Lord that God helps us to do that. He helps us to trust Him if we'll let Him. 
if we'll turn to him, if we'll look to him. The Bible says in Isaiah 54, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness, their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. And so we have to see by faith, what does God say about it all? What did God say about Jesus and Judas? Jesus knew he was going to betray him, and he did betray him, and yet Jesus didn't get bitter. Jesus loved him. He loved him to the end. He washed his feet. You understand what I'm saying? It's, it's an amazing thing. And he did it with thanksgiving. He was thankful as he did all this. All glory to the Lord. He strengthens us. He miraculously empowers us. To me, this is some of the, the biggest miracles. I say it all the time. It's not just a miracle of parting the Red Sea and the miracles of a big army being you know, wiped out before Israel. Uh, it's, it's the miracles inwardly in the heart of man where we can't do it for ourselves. I can't change my heart. Can a leopard change his spots? Can an Ethiopian change his skin? It says in the Bible, uh, no, you can't. It's an individual thing. God can change our heart. God can help us. I used to like this sin and do this, and now I, not only do I abstain from this sin, I have no taste for it anymore. God has changed my heart and my affections. These are miracles. But God absolutely does these miracles. And... One of the things he does is when we're betrayed, when we're done wrong, when we're hurt, God miraculously gives us strength and empowers us or, or we wouldn't make it. Uh, if he didn't strengthen us by his spirit and, and by his grace, we wouldn't be able to continue. We wouldn't be able to function. Whatever that betrayal was or, or hurt was, that would be the end of us, so to speak. But if he didn't strengthen us, we wouldn't be able to continue and to live for God. It would, it would be too much for us. It would be too much for us. And sometimes we think it's too much for us, and yet God gives us strength for the day. Amen? He gives us strength for the day. The betrayal by friends, the heartache, the adversity. If God didn't equip us, if he didn't help us to carry on, if he didn't help us to carry, uh, and actually pick us up and carry us through, we wouldn't make it. But he does. He does help us. If, if the Lord, by His Word, didn't speak to our hearts and, and give us some insight, He graciously does, to give us some insight as to what's really going on here, we think, Lord, I can't believe so-and-so. They're a Christian and they did this to me and they hurt me and they betrayed me. And if the Lord, by His grace, didn't speak to us through His Word and encourage us, we wouldn't make it through. We would fall and we wouldn't rise again. And we probably have met people, know people, some, something devastating hap happened in their life, maybe a betrayal, not always, but, and they fell, and up to now, they, they didn't rise again. They just fell in it. But God helps us. He, he comforts our hearts. He gives us courage. So one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is the comforter, the consoler. He brings consolation to our hearts and God gives us an insight to see a little bit, maybe not every detail, but enough for us to turn our eyes and say, God, you've got it in the end. Okay? And to not get bitter and to not lash out and to not lash back and try to uh, give blow for blow. It is a miracle. It's the grace of God and 
Job's wife, when I would say blows, not betrayal, but blows came to his life. And you can't read of anyone that had more severe testings than Job, right? And they were so quick and they were so severe. I mean, just one after the other, it's almost like you'd be in shock. And then another one comes and another comes and his wife turns to him and says, dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. But God didn't let him curse God and die. God upheld him. And God, at some point in that testing, began to speak to him towards the end and show him, listen up now, let me tell you what's going on, Job. You know what I'm saying? God did graciously speak to him and and upheld him. He does the same for us. He doesn't just let you take a blow and let you wallow around in the dirt with your face in the mud. He, He will pick us up. We need to look to him. We need to trust him. He will encourage us. And I can say this, the Lord often allows, the Lord, not the devil, the Lord often allows His saints, His children to endure, and I'm using the word blows, severe blows to our life. A betrayal is a severe blow. It's not the only one. But severe blows, and one of the worst is betrayal. We're betrayed by friends. We're betrayed by family members. We're betrayed maybe by a spouse. We're betrayed by laborers in the gospel and in the ministry. And and it hurts. And it's severe. And I'll just read this from Psalm 55. Uh, 14, it was not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have borne it. I think this is another messianic portion of a psalm here. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man might equal my guide and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in company. This is who betrayed me. And yet, the same night Jesus was betrayed, he gave thanks. Betrayal wouldn't be a betrayal if they're already a stranger to you. That couldn't really betray you. Or somebody you didn't trust or weren't close to before. It's when someone is close to you and they'd be the last person on the planet you would have expected to lift up their heel against you. That can be a blow. I mean, a serious blow. Now, this is just in a secular sense, not a spiritual sense. But Julius Caesar... Uh, in 44 B.C., March 15th, 44 B.C., he was assassinated. And the, the leader of the conspirators was Brutus. And Brutus was somebody that uh, Julius Caesar had likened to a son. He had taken him in as his, as his son and loved him. And it, the, the historians say that when the assassins were showing up, as a party of assassins with knives, showing up to, uh, to assassinate Julius Caesar, that at first, uh, Caesar saw him coming and he braced himself like to, to fight, to defend himself. And then when he saw Brutus among them, with his weapon in his hand, he just couldn't believe it. He pulled his garment up over his face. He just let him. You know, kill him. It was like it was like you too, Brutus. You betrayed me too. And a betrayal can be just such a devastating blow. But the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gave thanks. 
and he washed their feet, and he took the bread and he broke it, and he instituted the Lord's Supper, this new covenant in his blood, and he loved them and he taught them and, and poured out to them. Betrayal means to give up or to give over. So if you, I betrayed someone, I would give them up, turn them over, give them up, deliver them up, to put in prison. That's the actual definition. Men and women of God have been betrayed. Men and women of God have been dealt severe blows to our lives and, and down through the history. This is not a pity party. This is to find our strength in the Lord that that thing doesn't devastate me to the point where I can't serve my God and rejoice in my God and love my God. That's the point of this sermon. Okay? Not to have a pity party. We all get in the corner and cry together. Moses was betrayed by Korah in number 16. Korah was uh, in 250, it says in number 16, princes, men of renown, renown within the nation of Israel. Now, this is in the wilderness after Moses stepped down from being considered the, you know, the, the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer affliction with the people of God and lived in the wilderness and came to be God's deliverer and part of the Red Sea and brought the people out and led them out into the wilderness. At some point out there, 250 top dogs in the whole nation of Israel rose up against him in rebellion at one time. So here's Moses, and here's 250. Everybody knew these men. They were leaders, and Korah was leading the rebellion. They rose up against him. David, King David, was betrayed by his own son, Absalom. His own son that he loved. Oh, Absalom, Absalom, my son, Absalom. Wish I had died instead of you, Absalom. He loved him. And he was betrayed by his own son who took the kingdom from him. He stole the hearts of the people secretly while David's over here. Absalom's out there saying, hey, what, what kind of problem you got? Well, I've got a land dispute over here. My father doesn't care anything about you. He doesn't care about you at all. He doesn't know your name. If I was king, I would take care of you. And he stole the hearts of the people over time. And he stole the kingdom. And he would have killed his own father had David not escaped. Betrayal. Joseph in the Old Testament was betrayed by his brothers. Those closest to him, his brothers. And later, they said when they saw him finally and everything's reconciled and being close to reconciled all those years later in Egypt, they said we saw the anguish of his soul. When they betrayed him, it hurt. We saw the anguish of his soul. We're guilty. Our Lord was betrayed by Judas, someone close to him that ate bread at his table. And such a blow would seem to be uh, crippling. And we've seen it in the lives of people. And I pray that if you're here and you've been crippled in some way by a, a betrayal or some blow to your life, that God would give you the faith and touch your heart and, and rise, raise you up this morning. But such a blow like these that we've talked about would seem to be crippling, would seem to be uh, devastating, seem to be uh, insurmountable, debilitating. And we would say, I, just, I guess it's over now. My husband left me. My 
and they were Christian too, or whatever, you could fill in the blank. It would be end of story if not for the kindness of the Lord, if not for the mercy of the Lord, if not for the power of the Lord, amen, of our Savior. Not only His power, but His power on our behalf to help us. He's very kind. He's very gentle. He's very powerful. And He's able to lift us up and we're just amazed by it ourselves and think, I thought I'd never recover from this blow. I thought I would never go on. I thought I might take my own life. I thought it was over. Such a hurt. I thought I'd never be able to bear it. And yet the Lord comes alongside and He helps us. We might think sometimes if, and you could fill in the blank. I'm just going to give some examples. If if this relationship ends, I won't be able to go on. If, if my child doesn't live for Jesus, I'm a Christian. If my child grows up and rebels and doesn't live for God, I, I won't be able to, to function. If my spouse dies, if my health fails, and you can fill in a, a thousand other blanks, we think this is the one thing I couldn't take. Yes, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, but this is the one thing, this blow would be too severe for me and I would not be able to function. We think that's the end of me. I won't be able to make it. I won't be able to walk in victory. I certainly won't be able to walk and experience any joy of the Lord. I certainly won't have any real meaningful life after that. And I want you to turn with me and read this in 1 Kings. Chapter 19. Now this does not deal with a betrayal. It does deal with a severe blow. 1 Kings 19. This is dealing with Elijah, the prophet. God used him so greatly. Let's read a little bit. Verses 1 through 3. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. All those 850 prophets of Baal. Elijah stood up and called down the fire from heaven and so forth. And the 850 prophets of Baal were killed. Elijah's doing what God called him to do. Mightily doing what God called him to do. Then Jezebel, this queen, she was wicked. She was an idolater. Sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, that, when Elijah heard that, he arose and went for his life. He fled and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might, what? Die. And said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Here's a man of God. It's hard to think of many more wonderful, faithful men of God and men of power and prophecy than, than Elijah. And yet here after this great victory, the 850 people, I mean, prophets of Baal are killed. God sends fire from heaven. The people fall on their faces and say, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. A woman says, I'm going to be dead by this time tomorrow. He runs for his life and said, Lord, just kill me. Goes a day's journey out in the wilderness. It's over. It's all over. 
I'm not making fun because I've done just what he's done before. It's all over. Oh, this, it's a, just kill me now, Lord. Just take me. I'm just going to crawl out here in the desert, crawl around for a few days and die. Just take my life. And the Lord didn't take his life right then. He took him in a whirlwind a little bit later. Amen? Had a much more glorious exit for Elijah than that. But let's, let's read down in uh, verses 7 and 8. So he falls asleep out there after he, he prays that or asks God to take his life. The angel of the Lord came again the second time. He already come to him once and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. I read a lot into that. It means you, you still got a lot to do. There's a journey ahead of you. Somebody that's had a blow hit their life, they don't think they've got any journey left. They think it's over. Just take my life. My spouse left me. My spouse died. My best friend betrayed me. My pastor betrayed me. My, uh, it's just, just the worst. My health left, left me. It's the worst of the worst of the worst. And I always said to myself, that's the one thing I can't take. That can't happen. I won't make it after that. God's going to scrape you up off the floor if we'll let Him and me off the floor. It says you are going to make it. And you're going to make it for the glory of God. And you're going to make it by my strength. And you're going to make it by my power. And that's what happened here. He woke him up. The angel woke him up the second time. We didn't read the first time. Arise and eat. Give him some water and some bread. For the journey is too great for thee. And it is too great for us. It's not too great for the Lord in us. And he arose and he did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat. Wasn't his own meat, wasn't something he farmed or, or came up with or animal he killed in the wilderness. He went in the strength of what God gave him 40 days and 40 nights off of those two meals he had back to back. The journey was too great for him, but God supplied what he needed. He went in the strength of that. And he went to Mount Horeb, the Mount of God. And we don't have time to read it, but that's where he's up on this cave on the mountaintop. And the Lord. Uh, he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he says, I'm here. I did everything you told me to do. And, and now they want to kill me. And what am I doing out here? I'm not complaining. And, and I'm feeling sorry for myself is what I'm doing out here. God, can't believe you let it happen this way. And, and, and God, uh, there's a big fire that passes by. Elijah says, the Lord wasn't in the fire. And I, and I think... Uh, a big wind blows by and smashes wind strong enough to break the rocks, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. And then it says a still small voice. And the Lord spoke, spoke to him. What are you doing here? I got a lot for you to do. You think it's over. You think that death threat was the end of you. And it's not the end of you. He gave him three specific jobs to do on that mountaintop. And he fulfilled all of them, including anointing Elisha to be prophet in his stead. And then the Lord took him in a whirlwind. My point is that when, when blows come to our lives, and they do, I'm not talking about just the little aggravating things of life. I'm talking about blows that, that you say, that's the one thing that I don't think I can handle. God says, that's the one thing I can help you handle. If you'll trust me, if you'll, if you'll keep your eyes upon me and look unto me. It's not the end. It wasn't the end of Elijah. God had wanted to still be glorified through his life and use him and bless the man. 
and use him some more. Strengthen his faith. Bring him back where he needed to be. Let's look back at the ones we talked about. Moses, when betrayed by Korah, he fell on his face before Jehovah and cried out to Jehovah. And God brought Moses through in victory. We don't have time to talk about the details of that. But God showed who his man was. And it wasn't Korah. And it wasn't the 250 that rose up in rebellion. It was Moses. And God brought him through that. That wasn't the end of Moses. That wasn't the end of his service to the Lord. That wasn't his end of his communion or fellowship with the Lord. David humbled himself and committed the entire kingdom of, of Israel to the will of, the, of God. And he, he gets out with those that were still true to him. And he, he didn't fight his son or those that were lined up with him. He crossed the river and he says, I'm just going to give it to him. I'm just going to give it to him. And he says, I'm going to commit the whole thing to God. It wasn't just two men. He says, if God wants to bring me back, he'll bring me back. And God brought him back. It wasn't that his son betrayed him, stole the kingdom right out from under him. And God gave it right back. Okay? Gave it right back. But David, that didn't mark the end of David. He was a man after God's heart. Joseph, in the Old Testament, he didn't get bitter. We don't read one time where he's bitter. We don't see it. We see just the opposite. He was strengthened by the Lord. He was strengthened by the Word of the Lord. The Bible says the Word of God tried him. It tested him. He was made prime, prime minister of Egypt. And God used him to preserve life. To preserve life through the wisdom that He gave him and the plan uh, to preserve the, the nation of Egypt, to preserve the nation of Israel, which was 70 people at that time that came and, and lived there. God had more for him to do. Didn't mark the end. He didn't get bitter. And I'll say this, and we're going to be closing here in just a minute, but our Savior agonized after He was betrayed. He agonized in prayer. He yielded to His Father's will. And He did it all the way to the cross. And His Father raised Him from the dead. And He glorified His Son. He glorified Him. Wherefore, God also hath given Him a name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, after He was betrayed, He gave thanks. He went to the cross. He was raised from the dead and glorified and given a name that's above every name. The betrayal by His friends wasn't the death blow to the work of Jesus Christ as Messiah and Savior of the world. Hallelujah. It was not that. Amen. And so I want to just encourage you this morning and admonish you and, and me as well to don't allow some blow to your life. We've used betrayal, but it's not just betrayal. Some blow to your life to mark the end of you. To mark the end of your ministry. It's almost like the, the disciples that were walking on the Maus Road resurrection morning. They didn't hadn't seen the Lord resurrected. They'd heard that he had risen from the dead. They were scratching their heads and they were walking and they were sad. And Jesus drew near to them and they didn't recognize him. He was their their faith was their eyes were withholding somehow, it says. 
And the Lord spoke to him and, and said, what is this conversation you're having as you walk down the road and are sad? They were sad. It was like, well, you haven't heard about Jesus of Nazareth? No, tell me. He was a man mighty in word and deed. We trusted that he would be the king of Israel and restore Israel and be the Messiah and so forth. We trusted past tense. It was like a blow that to them would have been the end if the Lord had not encouraged them. Jesus, after the resurrection, says, I'm going, and after he betrayed the Lord, before God encouraged him, said, I'm going back to fishing. I'm just going on a fishing trip. I'm going back to fishing. And God didn't let him go back to fishing. He said, you love me, Peter? Go feed my sheep. I have stuff for you to do. I have things for you to do. And even in your death, you're going to glorify me, Peter. Don't allow a, a blow to your life to mark the end of your life, so to speak. We put a big thing on the calendar right here. This is where my life ended. And we live the next 20 years with our life over, so to speak. Your ministry over, your service to God, your joys over. Don't allow that. God doesn't want that. He allows troubles and blows to come to our life to show Himself mighty. It wasn't over for Job. And I don't understand it all, but God says turned his captivity around and he blessed him with twice as much in the end as he had in the beginning. And all his friends came back to him. And God set him back in the place where he, he wanted him to be. Don't let this a blow to your life take away your love for others. Your giving spirit. Uh, commit it all to the Lord. Turn to him for strength when you don't have any strength. Turn to Him for wisdom from on high when you don't have any wisdom and you don't have a clue what to do. Lord, what am I going to do now? Job's sitting on a pile of ashes and his body's broken out with sores and everything's been taken from him. What am I going to do now? Turn to Him. He'll show you what to do now. He'll show you what to do next. Elijah running out in the wilderness. What do I do now? I'm going to tell you what to do now. First, eat and drink this a couple of times because i got some stuff for you to do. And then he went and spoke to him in a still small voice. What do I do now? What we do now is we turn to the Lord. Amen? You know we're going to find Him. We're going to find Him to be just as faithful as He promised to be. Just as faithful as He was when you said, Lord, I'm a sinner. Would you save me by Your grace? And He did. You're going to find Him just as faithful to carry you through and me through whatever we go through. Amen? You're going to find strength to, be, to forgive those that may have betrayed you or did betray you because it's beyond you to do that. You can say it. You can paint a smile on your face. But to forgive from the heart, God's got to help you do it. And He's got to help me do it. But you can do it because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen? I'm closing with two Scriptures. Turn with me. 1 Peter chapter 2. 21-23. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. Who did no sin, neither was God found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. We're just going to stop right there. It says, when he was reviled, he, to, to me, it was what he did is he turned it all over to the Lord. 
And naturally, we would either be devastated or we would want to get even or something like that. Committed means to surrender, to entrust, to give over, to yield up. He yielded himself over to the Father, to the will of the Father. And the Lord took care of him. Amen. And the last scripture, do you can come. And y'all, the altars are open. I want to read this uh, in closing, though. David writes this. And he was betrayed. We read about it. Betrayed by Saul, who he served faithfully. He was betrayed by his son Absalom, who stole the throne from him. He says this. He says, I shall, lit, I shall not die, but live. And declare the works of the Lord. Always brings God into it. The Lord had chastened me sore, but he had not given me over unto death. Not a good scripture. I shall live and not die. You know when I'll die, I'll die when God's ready for me to die. Not when I feel like curling up in a ball and die. Because life's too painful. I shall live and not die. And I'll declare the works of the Lord. Amen? I'm going to declare the works of the Lord. That He is my rock and my refuge and my strength and my hope. And I would absolutely be devastated and not able to function or open my eyes in the morning or get out of bed if God didn't help me. But He does help me. Not only does He help me survive, He helps me to walk in victory and enjoy and to overcome and to be useful for His kingdom and to walk in sweet fellowship with other believers and to declare the works of the Lord. Amen? All the altars open. It's just come this morning. And maybe you've been dealt a, a blow to your life. And you think, it, I won't be able to function because of this blow. But you know what? You and I both, we will function if we trust in God. If we turn to God. If we just turn to our own strength or people or books and so forth. And we're going to just kind of stay in that little stunted prison where we can't function and do anything for God. He wants us to rejoice. The night that Jesus was betrayed, He gave thanks and break bread. Amen? Father, we come before You. I just encourage You, uh, church, to come to the altar, to make an altar. Find some place and meet with God. I do believe this is a message that God would want to strengthen and encourage His people through. I believe He wants to help us this morning. And He's going to touch your life and He's going to touch my life. He's going to help us. Father, we come before You in the mighty name of Jesus. The name that's above every name. Thank You for the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Thank You for being a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Thank You for being our consoler. Thank You that You show us from Your Word examples, true life examples of others, God, that have been greatly betrayed and You by your power and goodness and kindness, raise them back up to live a wonderful, profitable life in Jesus. Lord, I pray that anyone here that's hurting to that extent, they, they feel like or it seems like they've been dealt a death blow almost. God, that you would give us the faith to see beyond that. It's not what men say. It's not even what we say. It's what you say. And Lord, I know that our life's not over till you call us home and then to die is gain. You'll call us to be with you. But until that, that time, help us to walk in victory. Would you strengthen your people? Would you encourage your people, God, in a very, very real way? 
not just a warm, fuzzy feeling, but a real inner strength and an outpouring of your spirit, God, and a gift of faith to trust you and to believe you. That just like you did for these men of old that we've read about, you're no respecter of persons, Lord. We commit it like Jesus, our example. We commit ourselves to him who judges righteously. And I pray you would strengthen your people in our hearts. We wouldn't get bitter. We wouldn't feel sorry for ourselves. We'd be useful for the kingdom of God. We ask it in Jesus' name.